This is Slashers. My name is Fardo McShardo because I just accidentally consumed two non-vegan candy bars and my bowels are about to plot themselves. With me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Doug and Jason. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, mutant goons from beyond. We're here for a head splitting of a day, you know, because Jake Jake just ate those vegan, non-vegan candy bars, so there's going to be head splitting, I guarantee you. It doesn't sound fun at all. It doesn't sound... Do you know, is this the first time you confirm that you've uh, broken vegan rules since you've been... I mean, it happens at, like, dining out and stuff, or sure. people will buy me something. The one that really annoys me is when something changes its ingredients, but, that like, we were talking about... So it's this brand... Uh, little secrets that I found on Amazon. I specifically searched vegan three musketeers. It's the first fucking listing. They have a graphic <laughs> that specifically says it's dark chocolate, not milk chocolate. And then it's not vegan for multiple reasons. What is dark chocolate vegan? Uh, sometimes. I mean, okay. if you go to like Hershey's, the only kind of vegan chocolate they have is the syrup. Everything has like something. But sure. usually you can find a, a vegan dark chocolate. And that's something that a lot of other companies use. So uh, I'm leaving a review. That says, thanks for the butt squirts. What's the brand of that again? Big Debra's? Is that what they're called? Uh, little Secrets, but oh, Big Debra's secrets, works okay. too. <laughs> okay. Do y'all remember when uh, sugar-free gummy bears apparently used to give everybody like awful diarrhea like two years ago? Oh, or something like is that, that like the era yeah, of the was... wow potato chips? Probably, yeah. I One of my all-time favorite Simpsons jokes is, is Homer going, oh, Pooh, do you got any of those chips that make you have to go to the bathroom? I got some spring cleaning to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's like those black burgers from uh, Burger King. Remember when they had that for Halloween and they gave everyone like green shit? Oh, the nightmare burger. I remember that. They they interviewed people like locally here on the news and people were like, yes, I turned around and they're talking about their shit on like like eight o'clock news. Yes, I turned around and it was green. The whole toilet bowl was green. Wow. Southern California sounds lawless. Yeah, I, I love it. And on the news when, when something breaking, I remember in the COVID, uh, when the coronavirus stuff was going on, the Spanish channel here, they stole Metal Gear Solid's music. It said coronavirus and it did dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, that's Metal Gear Solid music. What the fuck? <laughs> I saw a thing the other day which was positing the question, can you beat Metal Gear Solid without taking a single step? And so somebody was like shuffling where you can you can move forward without actually taking the animation of one step. So he was just kind of shimmying forward. It was I didn't have the patience to watch all of it, but it was a very interesting idea. Which game? Which which I think Metal the Gear original Solid? Metal Gear Solid. Oh, okay. Wow. Where everything would just kind of you had to sneak up on everything and it would just like startle and run after you. I remember that. Yeah, I never actually played them all. I played the Game Boy Color one and liked that a lot, but then uh-huh. yeah, I got on the PlayStation bandwagon a bit late because I got like a modded one, and by then I was already you know, N64 and then PlayStation 2, and a lot of my gaming was always just like very scattershot. And now that I'm like into retro gaming and stuff, it's just so weird the things I happened upon and and you know the things I liked. Like so often I like the worst entry of a series, which is charming, but we'll see. Yeah, it's like everyone loves Twisted Metal 3, right? Or is that a controversial take? Or like Castlevania 64. I mean, everyone hated that one. Yeah, oh. Superman 64 was good too. Ugh. I like impossible to rings. Beat. I actually like that game. I thought it was like impossible to, to beat. Yeah, it was fucking stupid. And I used to tell my friends like when they come over from school, I'm like, hey, you gotta play this game, and they all turn around like let's let's play something else. This sucks. I don't think that's fun. This is not fun at all. Well, you know what is fun? What's that? Tonight's movie. 
Oh, Ooh. shit. He, t- he brought it around town. Yeah, brought it around town. This is a movie now for you guys out there that are talking about like nostalgic and retro. Here's something that a filmmaker who loved nostalgia and uh, retro, well, basically blood and gore and splatter movies and made it into one. And now, nowadays, that stuff that's that's kind of like spoofing those movies from the 80s, this movie is being spoofed to this day, censor. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but anyway, we're talking about Evil Ed from uh, when this kind of this took like five years to make. Was it 1995 now? Yeah, I saw yeah. that. It took a long time for them to, I guess they were like stealing uh, 60 millimeter cameras from like some archive. Yeah, that's that's actually not a bad way to do it because um, they shot on 16 millimeter. And what you do, <laughs> you know, with that, you can call companies like Kodak and some other ones and say, hey, we want to we want to test drive some of your films. So they would collect all the sample films and splice that together. So, yeah, this movie was made on a stolen film reel. Which honestly, I mean, when you take the the timetable, you take the subject matter, you take the censorship, it's kind of funny how similar this is in a lot of ways to bad taste. Peter Jackson spent an eon making that and ended up somehow getting government funding and, and kind of playing fast and loose with what he said he was making and stuff. And you look at this and this is in direct conflagulation of censorship rules at the time and for free. I mean, this is as punk rock as I think you can get in a Swedish horror comedy. And I wasn't even aware that Sweden had strict censorship rules back in those. You always hear about the video nasties in the UK, but I didn't know Sweden apparently had similar rules for like violence and sex and, and movies and stuff. I, I, I just didn't everybody in, in Scandinavian countries are just like laissez-faire about everything. It's too cold up there to be worried about this kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. why I always assumed it. Yeah, let's huddle up, watch a movie under the covers, maybe a little jerkin' gherkin when you see the pseudo-gremlins lady gremlin. It's all good. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's Fridge Fritz. I got a picture of her right here. I think that's, I think that's her. Well, maybe like, I misgendered her. Uh, Gina anyway. Davis from Beetlejuice and the female gremlin Greta had a baby. It even says bright light when they open it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's referencing the gremlins, but yeah. So, so this film too, it's, it's funny. Cause this is another one that I rented as a kid, maybe when I was like 12 or 13 at the library. And they had this for you video people out here. There was a few different covers of this. There was one where he's like, has like a skull face and he has like the editing scissors in the film reel. And then there was this fucking cover where a guy's getting his head split in half with an ax. And that was really fucking brutal. And the funny thing is that tape is the R-rated censored version. So yeah, if you want the one where his head's split in half, that's the censored version. If you want the one that's uncut, the boring cover where he's just standing there. Interesting. Yeah. Because this is one I, I, they had both copies there. And uh, the funny thing is, I I keep going off tangent, but I'm sure some of you guys like nostalgia out there. But um, when I was really young, I think I was like six or seven. And my aunt, um, she used to smoke cigarettes all day and it's like hey scratch my back and i'll give you a quarter and she had evil dead 2 like on a vhs tape with like three other movies in ep mode and uh i remember seeing it for the first time uh like like when linda comes through the hall with the chainsaw and then he ash chainsaws her head on the um on the tool bench i never knew what the cover for evil dead 2 was i only knew it because it was like a blank vhs tape and then when i went to the video stores i saw this guy with the head split so i always thought evil dead 2's cover was this Oh, okay. I could see that. Oh, there's something for you. I know it doesn't lead to anything, but just a little thing in the nostalgia banks. 
when I was little, little, I thought that Dead Alive and Evil Dead Two were linked. I thought that like Dead Alive was what would have been Evil Dead, and Evil Dead Two was like the sequel because of the, the graphics, where it's the lady pulling open the mouth and there's the skull inside, and then Evil Dead Two is the skull with human eyes. That was just me being a child and going, "Oh, that's the skull movie." But lo and behold, they're just kind of adjacent. Yeah. Remember- that that skull evil dead to uh mass she did really scare me when i was a kid yeah. i don't know why it was just very very like i, I was like i can't watch this movie this movie's gotta be the scariest thing ever it's not it's actually quite fun <laughs> like well yeah but at the time when when you're a kid you know when you're a kid and you see that that cover you're like this has to be horrifying absolutely horrifying i cannot believe it <laughs> Well, that's what I thought this movie was, too. And then when I turned the back, like on the back uh, cover, like there's a little screenshot. It's it's just a guy cutting the severed arm with a knife. I know it happens for like two seconds in in Evil Ed, the movie. But uh, yeah, it's just that picture. So I thought this was like going to be the goriest movie ever made, like the most brutal and sadistic. It's like a guy is chopping up a severed arm already, you know, making bread slices out of a severed arm. So and then you get the cover like this. I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah, and then by the end of it, I mean, you're getting into the wackiness where the little doofus who's the delivery boy is like spitting out chunks of glass after falling like three stories and then just gets up and prances away. So it literally gets that very, very cartoony kind of more Evil Dead 2 tone. I would really love to see this movie's equivalent of like an Evil Dead 1, though. You know what I mean? Because Evil Dead 1 was very serious for Mm -hmm. the most part, and then 2 got like silly. This movie already feels silly. I I wonder what this movie could be with a more like visceral tone and like a real uh, descent into madness, maybe some occult nonsense, a Necronomicon on celluloid, if you will. Maybe more Jacob's Ladder a little bit. There you go. Yeah, yeah, just like a little bit more like overtly demented. And and I love in this movie, they do it a few times, not enough in my opinion, to be the theme of the movie where he's like having what's clearly like a hallucination and hallucination depend. I've heard both where it's like, ah, this is what he's seeing. It's a nurse with great tits and a <laughs> miserable face. Oh, but what's really happening is it's a, a doctor with great tits and a normal face. Um, but it didn't happen enough times where it was like ping-ponging back and forth where that was just like the movie. More often it would happen and it was like, oh, that was just kind of odd, right? Yeah. Yeah, or like when he's looking at the neighbor who comes out and she's oh, in her underwear. good God. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, he realizes it's just, you know, your 70-year-old or the his boss's 70-year-old neighbor. Oh, the seventy-year-old neighbor was true to her roots because she was the only one with a Swedish accent. Yeah, I was about to say she was the only one that wasn't, you know, dubbed over. It sounded like, Uh, like it didn't bother me. Like a lot of times I watched dub, but this one felt like I was watching like an Italian movie. It felt very Italian. Yeah, absolutely. Or like even like uh, not just like horror movies. Like if I was watching like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly or anything in the Dollar Trilogy. Yeah, it felt very Italian to me. Like it's just you know straight overdub. I don't know if it was because of sixty millimeter. I know. Yeah. A lot of times the the shutter's too loud to really record, so I just go in and overdub it. But yeah, it's very, very Italian. It's very European. Has anybody seen uh, Delicatessen or The City of Lost Children? Yeah, both, mm-hmm. actually. A Delicatessen, yeah. the guy who directed that, uh, he directed Alien Resurrection. Yeah, and Omelie, I guess, is probably the thing he's most well-known for, because Alien Resurrection is his own little ball of wax. Some brilliance in it and some just amazing things to ridicule. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's funny, too. Like This also felt like a, a less, um, or actually a more goofy and more self-aware version of like Rabid Grannies, because that was like Belgium. Yeah. Very sure. similar. It's just weird how they all like it's an it's a European film and it just kind of feels I don't know, there's like a European touch that American films just don't get. 
it's kind of like a, a money like a terry gilliam money python thing yeah. you know because you know that kind of animation and that humor style because it's very it's a very funny movie it certainly reminded me of brazil a little bit as well mm. if you guys have seen that movie exactly because well, especially there's lots of parts in brazil where it's very tongue-in-cheek at people who are regimented and methodical and like this big machine Sure. Right, the the machinations of like how life can be structured, and so much of Ed and what makes him funny, kind of absurdist element, is just like he's so straight laced. And so, yeah, I, I got that vibe too, actually. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I was reminded. Of. Now I've seen this movie before. I think it's the second time I've seen this movie. I watched it. I remember I think I rented it from the Alamo Draft House uh, before the pandemic, mm. <laughs> and um, I remember watching that. And I was like, watch. I thought this is cool, but then the first one, now I'm kind of like. Okay, I'm gonna watch this movie, gonna take notes and analyze it. I was like, this is just really good because it's about a guy who's dealing, like you said, the machinations of the machine essentially, and it drives him crazy. Yeah, uh, literally, it drives him crazy. And I was kind of, re- and it also looked and felt a little bit like, a, you know, like a Baird Munchausen or Brazil, yeah. uh, those '80s Gilliam movies that I'm a really big fan of, especially the, the up close, somewhat Dutch angle. Oh yeah, absolutely. Severe. That was one of the things that's really interesting about this movie. It's a movie about film editing, but there were times where it was like, please change the shot. Please do a B (laughs) shot. Like, please something to diversify what's going on. Um, That was my my one kind of frustration that made some of it feel a little long in the tooth because it's right in that kind of 90 minute sweet spot. But there were just some of those points where it didn't do very well. Perhaps it was successful in the fact it made me appreciate the choppier, more aggressive editing and more vivacious kind of stuff. But I do think there are some parts that feel like they drag. Doug, is that a fair assessment? This is a fair assessment. Actually, I even when I was younger, the part that drags is right when those two guys enter the house with the Uzi. Oh my God, nothing happens. Yeah. Like even when I say like, okay, I could go make a sandwich or something. Yeah, it's like 15 minutes of them walking around the house in like the dark. I know the house is never, the lights are never on in that house. <laughs> Even though the guy, uh, Sam Campbell, who looks like like discounted uh, Joe Bob <laughs> or Squidward. <laughs> I always I look like Squidward. Sam Campbell too. There you go. There's your Evil Dead reference. Yeah, once, honestly, my favorite part of this, like I love like where he's like editing and going crazy with the uh, vi- visions and stuff. But my favorite part of this whole movie is the third act in the in the asylum. So that's it always been my... A, turns into a straight action movie at that point, to be honest with you. Now, maybe they, I feel like they could have tightened up because there's parts where, like, uh, the SWAT team's going, walking around the, the asylum. He's got the girl and then the Nick, when the Nick, the, uh, the, the delivery boy, he's kind of, like, running around the asylum. It felt a little aimless there for, like, there's, like, a five to ten minute part where they're, I guess they're trying to ramp up tension a little bit because he's about to kill the girl, but it just kind of felt like they're walking around in circles in the asylum. That's my biggest gripe about that part, but it's still kind of cool when they do finally start shooting each other, even though everybody in this movie has the worst aim for a shotgun possible. Well, you want to know what's funny? You just kind of have to point in a general direction and shoot a shotgun. You don't have to have, like... The fact that it lightly grazes his cheek. I've literally seen cat scratches from domesticated animals that are less severe than, or I guess, excuse me, more severe than the face scratches he gets from the shotgun to the face. Yes. And it was literally point blank rings. You're not missing somebody with a shotgun. (laughs) Maybe he filled it with salt. I don't know. It was like a salt shotgun. Uh, like the Winchester's supernatural. <laughs> yeah, but but I've always used to watch this on VHS. But I have the uh, that Arrow Blu-ray for it. One thing I noticed watching it in like you know, like HD uh, is that when they're walking around with the shotgun and stuff, like Ed when he's getting his arm and and everything. Spoiler alert: uh, when he's getting his arm and head blown off, everyone's wearing earplugs. 
Oh, like you can funny. see the orange and the green earplugs. In that. I watched this on Tubi, so not, but I didn't notice that at all. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like in the climax, like everyone in the room is wearing earplugs, like the girl laying down, and then Ed has it in one shot. I'm like, you can see the green and the yellow. Uh, uh, Doug, have you ever, now you've been on several uh, movie sets. Have you ever worked with blanks? Are they uh, like that loud? Is that everything? Uh, yeah. Well, I M16, it was an M16A2, but uh, yeah, the, the blank, the blanks are loud. Basically, they're just bullets. With, with nothing in them, but they still shoot some stuff out. Were you on the set of that Alec Baldwin movie? Was that? <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't there. I wouldn't want to be there. <laughs> Clearly not. That's uh, that's Doug's official statement. I, as his attorney, have coached him in this regard. He will not uh, submit to rumor and innuendo. He knows nothing. Let's move on. But yeah, one of the things I think that's really interesting modernly, for safety reasons, I see a lot of independent filmmakers using gas-powered airsoft guns and then just using After Effects to do muzzle flash and stuff like that, uh, which, you know, depending on what kind of budget you have and depending on what kind of resources you have can be very effective. The Corridor crew guys do a really great job on YouTube of showing like muzzle flashes. They do a really good one where they redo the muzzle flashes from John Wick with like really good accuracy. Oh wow. So and that's one of the things that I think I really love about digital content creation at this point. I mean, look at the things I've edited from my fucking phone or my like shitty work laptop, right? For this show where I'm not getting paid, where I'm just doing shit for fun. And imagine if this was like my calling card and this is all I wanted to do with my life. I, I like to think that I've used some kind of innovative techniques and like with the way I've done chroma key and stuff. And it's cool to see other content creators do that. There was actually a really cool thing I saw where some African kids were literally just using cell phones to make action movies and using chroma key and using, you know, overdub and, and doing all the editing literally just from a phone. Uh, they weren't the best movies, but the fact that they even tried was so ambitious. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, iPhones now, I mean, they, they shoot commercials and they're like, oh, yeah, this is completely shot on the new iPhone, you know. Now, granted, there's still more technique, more talent in their other stuff that they're probably using that's other than that. But apparently, I mean, iPhones, I know what was that, that Tangerine movie that Sean Baker made about yeah. the, uh, yeah. that was completely shot on his, on his iPhone. I'm just like, like Doug knows, it doesn't, the cost of entry to making a movie now uh, is is way less than it's ever been before. Uh, now, because of that, it's just constantly nothing but content constantly, which can, you know, bring down everything. Now, Doug, is this movie your spinal tap? When you watch this movie, do you have, like, editing flashbacks of just, like, oh, oh wow. my I, God. I, I do, yeah. <laughs> well, anyone who edits knows that. Even editing the podcast, you know, I'm sure it's like, it, and I said, and I said, and I, and you got to, like, get <laughs> when that you little. you hear Bill Mosley's voice 50 times, I'm like, oh, my God, this is it's exactly what it used to be like. <laughs> yeah, it's dude. See, okay, and here's another funny thing too for for those people that uh, saw the shit. Well, the shit eaters coming out soon, but um, uh, the trash juice. I had no idea. Like, I watched this movie so much as a kid that I I kind of acted out that way as the Bill Mosley character in this. And yeah. I, you know, I watched something. Holy shit! I, I did. I can hear that in your voice, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ooh, yeah. Well, you know, it'll cost you an arm and a leg. So. <laughs> That's one of the beautiful things about like wearing on your sleeve your references, right? There are so many times where, you know, I, I would listen back to older episodes and I would hear like I could hear the content creators that I was following at the time. You know, I could hear the dude from Toy Galaxy and hear my inflection somewhat being like that. Or obviously like Joe Bob or any number of, of you know, people. Um, you know, at a certain point, you're kind of ashamed, but the other part is like it's so cool to see a direct impact of the things that you're immersing yourself in. Um, I love it. Like, honestly, this movie, especially this film being a mosaic 
a pastiche of a bunch of different films. Uh, I think it works out really nicely, and especially to for you, where your film is itself a series of vignettes, I think really fits this as well. Yeah, and so you never know what seeps into your subconscious. But, uh, you know, as much as this movie is funny, I'll I'll admit, even watching it again recently the other day, there's some really creepy shit in here. Like that guy yeah. in the asylum, that, that monster, it's like, ah, oh, Edward, yes, you must uh, you must teach them a lesson. Yes, very good. Very like I always thought that was fucking creepy. Like just, it's it's well shot. It's in an asylum. It's the guy when he's like when he says, "Come a little closer." That always gives me chills. It's effective. Yeah, well, the uh, like you were talking about creepy things, like the the nurse at the end when he goes to the asylum, where he's like, where she just like pops up into the screen. Like that always gets me. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen the only seen this movie twice, but that got me both times I was watching this. Um, there are some pretty effectively. Oh like, yeah, it's a comedy more than a horror, probably. But it's it's you know it does have some really effective creepy moments and it's you know it's certainly a character study more so as a plot driven movie. Oh, hundred um, percent. Yeah, absolutely. Which is you know you don't see that in horror movies really ever. Oh, well, even it's so interesting because this is like a, the tour de force of an actor, right? Like this is something where it's a lot of it is basically a one man show for Ed. You almost wish that you could have seen his performance in his native Swedish. Right. Because clearly English isn't his first language. You can see in the cadence really is what it comes down to. You know, the even, you know, if you want to take your East Coast or our West Coast, sure, there's a different rhythm. But what they're doing, there are sometimes where just the words just don't make sense in the way that they're inflected and the way that they're even just phrased syllabically. Um, and so I would almost wish, even if it had subtitles, just to see how he would, you know, orate those sounds. You know, like it's kind of like uh, Menomina from the Muppets, right? Uh, I don't know what the fuck that means, but I have an idea of what it means to him. And I that <laughs> performance, um, if he was dubbed over, I don't think would be as good. Uh, so in terms of things that we do like, let's focus on that. Uh, Jason, what's like your, your number one from this film that you were just like, wow, that was a pleasant surprise. I love this. The uh, the thing that I completely forgot about, which I was really like, this is really really cool, is when he's uh when the producer comes to his house and that mm-hmm. whole scene where he's like going over the editing style, he's joking about any fever rape scene, and then he like runs away from him because he's going crazy, and then he turns into like the literal devil from Legend, essentially. Yes. Yes. So good. That whole scene and that whole thing is like really. really then all of a sudden he he breaks his neck, the devil's neck, and then it just immediately cuts to him being uh, the producer and not the devil anymore yeah i was like that's that's this is really really cool this is very like cool very confident very showy filmmaking at this point like i really really enjoyed that he's like we're having a race to the bottom of hell like this is awesome i really really enjoy that that segment right there and he literally does look like they just took the the devil from legend and just painted it white <laughs> i always thought it would be a, a good look, yeah. chiropractor too the way he puts his hands up he's like he does it perfectly. I'm like, ah, I don't mind getting my neck cracked that way. So. And Doug, what's like your number one for this film? Oh, okay. You want to be honest? Like, I, I do love a lot. I love the character. The guy who plays Ed is really good. But I mean, it's gonna be weird. But you know, it always sticks with me. The score to this movie, the, okay. the music to it. That's what always like. I love the music. Like sometimes I'll I'll throw this on in the background just so I could kind of hear the music to it. It's weird, but I really do like the the, the score to it. Well, it's good, and even its parody is good. You know, when you're doing the Mexican standoff, the kind of good, bad, and the ugly Ennio Mericoni riff, even that is objectively good. As I'm watching, I'm like, oh, I see what they're doing. And then I listen with a little bit more of an attentive ear, and I'm like, oh, this 
it's actually still good though. It's not just bad parody. You know, like sometimes you get into like your scary movie four and it's like, oh my God. Like or uh which Halloween is it where the cops waddle like penguins and you're just like, okay, I get that it's a joke, but this is not a joke. That's Halloween five. five. That there really, really bad. Like well, see, like, it's it's like the music's in there, but I like the uh the score to it that that just that like, like it's weird i like weird shit like that and the, the music has always stuck with me ever since i first seen it so my big one the th- thing i like the best and i i know i had used tits earlier i did not mean to be disparaging and this has nothing to do simply with the fact that it is a large breasted woman i really like that you know him grabbing the lady her having the demented face that demented face is great the illuminated eyes objectively great so often when you see an exaggerated human face your brain goes i know what that is you know you see the fucking kid for mask and you're like that's uh, clearly like makeup right or like drop dead fred where he's got like the pancake head you're like oh i know what that is uh but this is so good like honestly i felt myself kind of believing it like i could see that just being a warped version of her face so good yeah, the, the gore in this is really good too. And for the video people, this is what he's referencing. It's so good. Yeah, it, like, it articulates where it needs to. I mean, honestly, I have seen huge budget films that tried to warp a face that weren't even half as good as that. Yeah, so there you go. See, work on a film like that, and you'll be talking about it years from now here. So, you, you like I said, the whole gore shootout at the end, like he gets his hand blown off, then his his elbows blown off. And he gets his head blown. The gore in this is really good. Uh, it, it takes itself seriously near the end of it, I think. But not too seriously, where it's like trying to have a message or something. That would have really been eye-rolling. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just a middle finger to the, the censors boards, essentially. Exactly. Which is always a cool punk rock thing to do. We have the MPA here, which gets upset about the most trivial things I always hear directors go get, complain about. I remember Kevin Smith was talking about how he always he's had to like appeal like four times for to get an R-rated from a Zach and Miri and Clerks too. He had to have appeal for them. Not ENT seventeen. They were like just nothing jokes. That was just like absurd. One, who's going to go to see Clerks two and get offended by it to start with? Like nobody, no, nobody, some church goers are like, "Ooh, Clerks two. That sounds." I really enjoyed the first one, especially those you know drug dealers outside the front of the the quick stop. Like it's or it, the part where the lady fucked the dead guy. Oh, yes, absolutely. That was hilarious. I want some more of that, please, yes. It's for your Oscar consideration. Another thing, too, is like, I know they parody it or like make it like a joke. It's like a movie from The Simpsons, um, like those parody movies in The Simpsons. But Oh, like a Treehouse of Horror, yeah. Yeah, well, not even that. It's like, you know, when they're going to say, oh, it's like blood-sucking vacuum cleaners from, from this planet. They're going to see that movie. But yeah. uh, Loose Limbs, so they played the trailer for Loose Limbs 5. <laughs> When uh, they're like in, he's like the doctor. I w- I would watch those movies. I thought those movies look re- like I would be super fun. Yeah, I'd watch them. Big, off the uh, foot and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got big Doctor Giggles vibes from that doctor scene. Oh, and yeah. Then, of course, yeah, and then the parking lot scene that they showed a little bit earlier when he was first kind of <laughs> editing was also very funny. Well, the parking lot scene is super like that's what I love. Gore and sleaze, like like when he's like and he's like drooling all that stuff. He's like, well, yeah, but you know, I would prefer an arm. You know, I I love that stuff. So that's the kind of one of the things that's great about the the movie within the movie is that it is regarded as trash and it is trash. So really, we're talking about a guy who has a very sensitive predisposition, you know, like he's just a delicate person, because if this is going to push him over the edge, there's a you know an argument that he would have gone crazy and killed people anyway. 
so I really like the vignette style, the fact that it it does show like kind of behind the curtain, you see this miserable little man instead of like the great and powerful Oz. Because if, if it was something that was as nefarious and ominous and you know intangible as like the Necronomicon, I think that it would lose something because it would inherently kind of try and be serious. Whereas this, I think the joke is like, this is stupid. Like the fact that you're censoring this stupid stuff is also stupid. So it, it works on layers. Yeah, well, what do you guys think about the cold open? I always love the cold open to this here too, with the guy going crazy in the editing room. So. A super good. <laughs> and they they punctuate it perfectly, but after he's blown his head off, he just points at him and says, "You're fired." That's like, so he, fucking funny. Yes, I love it so much. And it's like you know the the stereotypical shitty producer. Uh, just firing somebody who he's been run uh, clearly has just run into the ground from editing all these just sleazy movies that he apparently made a hundred million dollar deal on, which I mean, good for him, I guess. Yeah. Um, I just that's that some Marvel money. Is, yeah, exactly. It's like it early is. Charles Band. That's kind of what it was. So. <laughs> yeah, with this movie, another thing that I, I think shows is like post production is so imperative to what we do now. You know, setting yourself up so that you have good shots, so you're getting the best angles. Because, like, for instance, the face that I love so much, that's in, what, 20 seconds of the entire movie, and it's really well done. But in order to do that, that took pre-planning. That knew They knew the angles. They knew how rough they could be. They knew what to do. Uh, and so I think that the fact that this took so long also does help the, quote-unquote, craft of it, because then you can get that kind of, you know, the bang for your buck. Like if you're going to make this your money shot, you have planned it, you have done it. It's almost like an Ocean's Eleven style heist by the time you're actually pulling it off. Yeah, I mean, that person had to sit in a chair probably for like over an hour, for several hours probably, to just get ready for that one shot. That was like you know, two seconds maybe, tops. But yeah. it's like one of the most memorable things in the entire movie. It was so worth it. Um, that's what I love about these kind of movies. They, they know what their money shots are they know what's going to be taken up but they also they've got to plan out everything and of course they can't and it's a cheap movie so they can't do this over and over again because you know it takes the more time something takes the more it's going to cost them to come out of their budget and you know they can't just keep calling up kodak for free samples <laughs> well that's another great thing when it comes to i think we can all agree we've seen enough horror films to know a strangulation is a cheap cop-out a neck break is a cheap cop-out uh striking someone who's off uh out of frame cheap cop out right this movie does i think each of those things but they do it in a reversal when it comes to the choking and the neck break you've actually used good effects it, you're not doing it in lieu thereof you're doing it to do it well which is crazy to me like i just watched american gothic I, we did it for this you know one horror movie a day thing uh which again jason thanks for coming up with the list because that was really fun to follow along yeah but in that movie there's like one of the more disturbing kills is when one of the brothers kills the girl by like breaking her neck and then it's implied that he makes whoopee uh with her <laughs> corpse uh but the fact is is it's the cheapest kill so it's it's made conceptually better by the horror of the necrophilia, but it objectively is not terrifying. And I've seen so many movies, and that one really made me think about it. Like, okay, I guess they at least tried to add some set dressing, but so often when I see that, I'm just like, ugh. But then this movie was like so refreshing, and maybe it was a good bookend to the other. Well, I, I do agree. But uh, now, now the funny thing is, there's this Blu-ray has two cuts of the movie, and apparently the director likes the new special Ed edition. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like longer than the one that's uh, the, the original cut. But if you watch the special edition on the Blu-ray one, there's scenes that were cut, like gore scenes that were cut 
um, and they're reinserted in here, and they're actually really good. Like, there's head exploding uh, shotguns. It's just more montages of him like watching different uh, the rest of the loose limbs movies and editing them. So you do get like a bazooka to the head. You do you, so you do get all these shots that they never used for the original cut. Oh, did they? Did he kill the kid and vacuum out his brains? Is that what I heard? That's in there. Like, there's just a lot of the. There, this is almost like Terrifier too, where there's so much gore that you kind of forget the different pieces and parts in there. But um, there is a longer scene with the wife and the daughter that go to the house where he's at. And uh, he's just kind of like taunting them like this. It's that's in the original cut. But this one's even longer. Like he's trying to stab the, his daughter with scissors. And then she like hits him with a frying pan or something. And he drops scissors and it goes through like his foot. So his, he's running around screaming. He has like the scissors through his foot bleeding all over the place. <laughs> and then she pushes him out the window. You know, so I mean, like there, there's a lot more to it. So that special edition one. Uh, is the longer cut, but uh, there's there's a bunch of really good snippets of gore, you know, like like Jake was saying, how long that mask thing to make, and he, it's only in there for like 20 seconds. Well, the special edition one uh, has more shots of that gore that was never used. And I think that even helps with the comparison to like bad taste, right? Where it's just, it's chocked full of good content where you're just like, it, it feels full to bursting and I, I would I'm, I might want to invest in that special edition because I like Jason watched the Tubi version which was great you know short of the few lingering shots I wonder if thinking about like my skills as an editor if I could chop those down stuff it up the rump with the extra stuff how good I could make it but you know yeah Ed did a good job no it's good I really liked so I couldn't sing this movie's praises enough like I said there's slow parts in there now a question for you because I've always referenced it to this movie but is is this line from a different movie or like where he's like uh where the one crazy guy he's like scratching himself he's like say my doctor says i'm schizophrenic and paranoid and someone's always after me and then ed says that line to him he's like uh he's like just because you're paranoid doesn't mean no one's out to get you like i'm like that's a good line is, is that stolen from another movie or something i feel like it is funny enough that sounds eerily like the conversation jason and i were having about barbarian because we were talking about bill skarsgård and i was like it's actually it's not mutually exclusive the fact that he is victimized doesn't mean he couldn't have victimized someone else so that's weird uh matrix cat walking by twice in my brain thanks for that doug <laughs> uh, I always I always like that line. It just feels like it's something from like an Oscar winning movie or something. Use so, that in shit eaters too. <laughs> yeah, the shit eating. So. Maybe it's in Twelve Monkeys. That's the only thing I could think of. The line would be like that from the you know when they're talking. So like something Brad Pitt would say in Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, well, I don't know. And then there's another shot too, like when the 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 I, he looks like a pizza guy, the one that brings the films to his door, and and Ed's like all he's wearing his like sweater vest, and he's like flicking his pencil, wringing his hand, and then he's he's like, you just need to relax, man. And he's like, I'm perfectly relaxed. Like I just feel like that's like a line from another movie, or if it's from this movie, kudos because it's memorable. Yeah, I think that's one of the th- the things that he does. I saw like one of the trivia on IMDb was like most of Ed's quotes are one-liners from movies. And I'm like, I don't think that that's true. I wouldn't say it's an overwhelming amount, but I think that they're delivered that way. Like it's almost there's a game in improv called last action line. So you get an item from the audience, right? So it's a pencil, right? And so Jason would be the host and he would go, okay, we're taking a pencil. So then everybody is lined up behind and whoever has the bright idea comes up and they mock that they kill that person with the pencil. And then they do like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, like sticky line, like get the lead out or whatever. It was delivered kind of in that way, which I think there is quite a lot of overlap between that quote unquote, like last action line, Arnold Schwarzenegger bullshit and -hmm. like a Freddy Krueger. Like, frankly, a lot of those lines are very, very similar in their kind of 
wit and almost fourth wall breaking. Stick around from Predator. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> the biggest gripe with this movie, too, is his wife and kid subplot is very underbaked. Now, I read there was a lot oh, more yeah. to it. Well, it's in the special ed edition. Sure. So there's yeah. a lot more of her. Yeah. Like, you know, you're ruining your daughter's birthday party. <laughs> I'm like, look at me. I'm all bloody. And you want to complain that I didn't make cake. Now, Doug, may I ask you, the extra content in a scene like that, is it worth it? Or is it just kind of more of the same? I don't think the wife was a very good actress, like portraying it. Like in the in the special edition one, when she's like going around, she's like, what is this? You edited this whole movie and it just has only the sex and violence in it? And he's like being creepy. And then she's not really reacting like you would react to that. Like, don't, don't grab my daughter. You grab my daughter. I will kill you so i don't know if she like puts it so is it worth it maybe it's kind of like the room acting with with her you so almost I, wish that she had that parallel right when it comes to what's the demented version of her we have the devil guy we have like the cartoonish Coraline mom doc i, I kind of and you know i wish that it was a more consistent theme because i do think that the idea of playing in like the nether realm like what's that uh nightmare ned there's the world then there's the world as he sees it would have been fun especially for a character like that because poor acting in that regard would kind of help the situation because that kind of unreal nature if that makes sense like it feels unreal it feels surreal that's the word i was looking for well maybe they were going for that because it does feel kind of like a long a long take of like a david lynch movie where someone's just not reacting the way you'd expect them to react like the beginning of mulholland drive where you don't know anything that has nothing to do with yeah (laughs) what's the one where that where uh he's in the bathroom and like he kills the the mom tries to get him killed because she doesn't like the boyfriend oh it was a wild at heart that's kind of what it reminded me of like bobby peru and like those slow shots of Someone reacting to something not the way you'd expect them to react. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Now, could it, do you think maybe she's acting poorly or could it just be like poor overdub? You know, Maybe it could be poor overdub. So, like I said, that old lady probably had the best accent for like when I when I hear that old lady talking about give me the police. I'm like, oh, yes, I forgot this was a Swedish movie. Yeah. And I, I wonder also in terms of pacing, if that would help, because, you know, sometimes especially when you're dubbing and i've seen this in a lot of giallo films and italian specifically where they are clearly and slowly enunciating their mouth because it's that's what's really the acting and it just so happens their body's doing whatever and they're doing the blocking but they're slower because they know somebody has to come in later i wonder if you punch this up like a 1.1 speed if that would help a little bit of it you know you would dub it in like a regular voice and then you would just have that speed so everything seems a little bit tighter if it wouldn't feel so weird. Like a Beastie Boys music video. There you go. Let the beat <laughs> drop. <laughs> I actually, my son's still obsessed with that intergalactic video. So when they're in the, the like subway station and they're like freaking out, I think about him all the time. <laughs> uh, I, miss, I miss him. I've got that Beastie Boys book and it is quite the read if you haven't gotten around to it. It is really good. No, I haven't read it. Yeah, it's really good. I can't awesome. believe so I wonder, like, how do you guys remember all of this that happened back in, like, oh, in 1988, we were doing this and this and this. I was like, how do you remember this? I don't remember what I did last week. And you've done, like, constantly way more things than I've ever done. How do you remember this? 
I think a certain degree of it comes to like the fact that their life is noteworthy. Like I listen to podcasts and interviews or read documentary or watch documentaries, read biographies of like old pro wrestlers, people who have been occupationally hit in the fucking head who could be like, oh yeah, uh, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was a dark and stormy night. I was wearing Daisy Duke cutoff shorts and one butt cheek was hanging slightly lower than the other. And then I'm like, well, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Like I, what? Like, how many concussions have you had? And you can tell me this. It's very true. They do have a whole chapter about them apologizing for the giant penis on their first tour. And then they're, and they're like warning you. It's like, hey, when you first get your first like big tour, just make sure you just reel it in a little bit. Because if not, you may be in 2022 or 20, whenever the book came out, 2018, still paying a uh, storage shed in New Jersey of a giant inflatable penis. <laughs> I actually love that. Hey, they remember it though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I now have you guys seen that movie Sensor? It's on Shutter. No, I've never heard of it. No, well, I, I, I haven't watched it myself either, but uh I think Mikey was saying like he watched Sensor and he was telling explaining it to me. 2021 film. Yeah, it's it's new, and then he's like, Oh yeah, this editor goes crazy because they have to censor the violence in the movie, and it's an editor. I'm like, do they remake Evil Ed? <laughs> like, is that what the- Oh, it's a magnet film. Magnet films are some of my favorites. Oh, well, hey, there you go. Now they got a lawsuit against Evil Ed now. I don't know, it just sounds like the exact same thing. It's on plot. Hulu as well for free. It so. is? Well, well not yeah. for free. It's, it's Hulu if you have Hulu, I should say. The Astron 6 guys also made a movie called The Editor. And it's just, it's, it's the whole thing's a scene up the Giallo yeah. movies. And mm-hmm. that's, it's pretty good. It's a little too dry in spots, but it's still really funny. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's really funny, but I can see some people think it's a little too slow. But you also, if you've never seen a Giallo movie, you probably would also be like head scratching a lot. <laughs> if you don't know what it's making fun of, you don't realize how good the craft is of what sure. it's doing. It, it just it's, looks cheap. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a little inside baseball, I guess you could say. If you don't, you know, if you're not exposed to that, you really wouldn't get a lot of it. Um, yeah, that's yeah. like for fans like, oh, God, the shots are so similar to like Inferno or Opera. Show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things that's really interesting when you're doing homage work. I don't think a lot of people realize because horror itself is a genre where people are like, oh, yeah, it's cheap to make and you can get a good yield on your return for it or whatever. When people are tossing it up and trying to do an homage of the original, I think a lot of people who are uninformed go, oh, it's just like a cheap thing. And then the people who like us who are like, oh, yeah, it's the reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give us some of that good reference. We love it. Yeah. Well, see, now I wonder, t- okay, let me ask you a serious question here. Now, for people who, okay, let's say like general public, like ones are like, oh, the scariest movie I ever seen was The Conjuring Part 2. Funny enough, uh, my new paralegal who just started with us, we were talking about horror movies and she was like all excited about her horror plans. Like, What's your favorite? She was like, The Conjuring. And I was like, okay, oh, cool. I, I know yeah. how far I can go in this conversation. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, really? Well, okay, so so here's a perfect example. So so your your person that you got, um, if they were like, say some some old lady rented this movie, she'd say, oh, I I used to love The Exorcist back in my day. That was my favorite movie. And then they watched this movie, not understanding the eighty splatter movie references, like like Evil Dead Two and Brain, or what's the other movie? This movie reference Gremlins. Well, that's yes, it's not really a deep cut. Well, I mean, they have like critters posters and stuff. I mean, there's quite a few things if you keep your eyes peeled. Cherry 2000. That poster I was like, <laughs> but but some yeah. of the intense gore and stuff, like they don't really, they're like, what is this? Like, I'm just not understanding any of this. Like, would they, would they enjoy this movie or do you think it's more for the fans of like the splatter movies and stuff that like the, the ones where the baseball cat backwards and like, yeah, man, look at that blood and gore in the tits. Yeah. 
So if I can be so bold, when we started Slashers, one of the big jokes was that we didn't do a slasher forever. Arguably our first slasher was Candyman over a year into the show, right? Which is fine. I love slasher movies and I love truly gory movies. I've always been a horror comedy guy. That's, oh, I mean, I think it's the best thing in the world. And what I've realized, especially as I get older, horror comedy creeps people the fuck out so much more than just horror. Because if you go to a normal person, you go, hey, uh, this is motel hell. It's fucking hilarious. And they look at you and they go, I'm, I'm sorry. So they cut their vocal cords and they put them in a cabbage patch and they turn them into jerky. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. And then they go, oh, and then you realize, oh, fuck, like I, I am a horrible freak. Um, <laughs> and so a movie like this, I could easily see somebody being more offended by than something that is overtly horrifying like a conjuring. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. The Conjuring, see, the, the Conjuring, and they're not bad movies. I mean, the first two were fine, but they're also, they're they're very much crowd pleasers. They're very much mainstream horror. I call them NPC movies. NPC movies? Why is that? It's just the general public is like, oh, this is great. I My favorite movie is It from 20, whenever that came out, the new one. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie is, is for the genre fans, you know, people that don't really care about horror movies, I don't think are going to. Or like the casual fan, maybe. Like the ones that call Michael Myers. They're like, Michael Myers, the guy at the hockey mask? Oh, yeah, God. that kind of thing. Yeah, like that's not, they're not really going to enjoy this movie so much. They might think this is just a little too weird. And I know some people will probably get distracted by the overdubbing as well. It's made for fans of the 80s, you know, splatterpunk movies, especially that kind of thing. Movies like Intruder, which you also did last month. Which Love is a it. Blast the movie. Fuck, it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's so good. People like the fact that people sleep on it just blows my mind. And it's like I could go all, completely off the rails on it. Like I love that movie in for so many separate reasons. And like for reasons I love this one, like the Ted Raimi, like I went off on in my little review. It's so perfect. Like he is just this character. And it's just this little vignette that takes 10 seconds each time. But doing that stupid 10 second investment makes the actual kill, which is boring. It's a, a cleaver to the back of the head, and then the the headphones fall off on either side. There's yeah. no gore. That's a very cheap effect. It's very attainable, but it feels like a fucking orgasm after you've had somebody tickle your balls with their tongue. So, Jake, would you say, I'm just crazy about that movie? <laughs> and then the ending. Fuck, that ending is good. Where he, like, frames them. I mean, sorry. Where something happens, and if you haven't seen it, <laughs> well, I mean, if you see, I mean, you guys have that movie came out in the eighties, but the killer, the killer in that movie is um the hillbilly guy from Evil Dead Two. So there you go. Yeah, and he looks like a NASCAR fan. That mustache, I mean, that tells you he has one hobby. Well, maybe two, maybe three: beer, domestic violence, and NASCAR. Okay, there you go. Free mustache rides too. <laughs> <laughs> the trifecta of a. Uh, uh nascar fans i don't know well he dresses like um someone he, he always reminded me of like a character from king of the hill in intruder oh, yeah like it's like the high-waisted jeans with the cowboy boots and he's got the beer gut that hangs over and he puts the belt around his his beer gut yeah and it's fun because like the earnestness that he has when he's talking to them and everything it's it i don't know it's really well done it's a super fun movie the set's perfect that was a movie that i think was born of necessity i think somebody was like hey i have this shooting location what can i do here you know and that's something that works so well yeah didn't charles band produce that movie i think it's like pre full moon Maybe kind of Empire. Yeah, because there's like two releases of it, one from Full Moon and the other one from Synapse. 
Uh-oh. But basically, for you people listening out there, Intruder is is kind. Of, if you've seen Evil Ed and are listening to this, then Intruder is like a real version of the the Loose Limbs movie. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, so, absolutely. I didn't totally, think, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, also, it was kind of fun when you sometimes I don't know if you, if the the version you watched was like this, but when we were, the one I was watching, you would see him editing, and the machine he was editing on it was just like a blank screen. All right, that's kind of cool. You know, you, you just hear stuff, like, but you can't see what he's actually editing. So all you're just imagining like the most messed up stuff that you can't show in Europe, I guess. So that was like, I thought that was a cool little like aside. Well, it's the best of both because you have that where your imagination can run rampant, but then you do have the vignette where you do get to see the silly stupidness. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Either or taken on its own would be a cheaper version, right? Sure. And where this one has both and you kind of have to tiptoe on the edge of bloat and too much content, I think it's done really well because it's not it's not relying solely on you. Because that's something that I, I think we can all agree. Like Barbarian, for instance, the first 50 minutes is relying only on you to do everything. And then there's one bit of visceral action. And then the next 20 minutes is relying on you to do everything. And if the whole movie was that, it would be good, but it wouldn't be wow. You oh, know, yeah. and so I think that you do need to have a little bit of the payoff. You can't just tease the whole time. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, are we going to spoil that movie right now? No, no, we we, we won't spoil that movie. Don't spoil we'll, Barbarian. Yeah, yeah don't spoil, it's pretty new. So I do want to do a full review of it. If you guys have time this week, I, I'm happy to come back and do it anytime because I think that it it really has enough substance to be talked about, like at a full length episode. And also, I think there's enough to talk about when it comes to like the nature of you know, a comedian doing horror. And, you know, there's a lot of comparisons going on with uh, with Get Out. And people, I think um, Georgina Campbell even said that, you know, um, Zach Krieger and Jordan Peele were very collegial and that there's a lot of Jordan Peele's DNA in this. Um, I think that that, that would be fun. So we'll do that. that. Would, Put a yeah, pin in it. That would totally be. And I think everybody on the show has seen it by now. So it wouldn't be a hard time to get people scheduled together for that one. And that would make sense to your analysis, Jake, or your hypothesis of mm-hmm. comedy making good horror or making it more disturbing. So it just because a comedian made Barbarian. I thought that was movie was that movie freaked me out. Actually, I saw it in the theaters. Well, and I think that's one of the things is it, it, the, it's absurd. What happens in that movie is absurd. Like you could easily see that being a joke. You know, if if you tone down the severity of it and you make it just this inane thing. Um, maybe you take out some of the incest or whatever. I think you could have a very easy, like it could be a whitest kids, you know, sketch, but it also is really interesting to me because that was something born out of a concept, right? Zach Krieger wants to do a writing exercise where he shows a woman bypassing these red flags and keep going in a conversation, right? When we're talking about intruder, you have a strong concept in that you know, the film Evil Ed, you have a great concept in the idea of the censorship, because even if Evil Ed fails, it succeeds a lot of time. It's a great way of doing a movie where you're laughing with it and at it. And either way, you're entertained. So the filmmaker wins at the end of the day. Disliking this movie is very difficult. I could see if you don't like the movie, but to actively dislike it, I think would be very hard. I could see not getting it more so than not liking it. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know, I could see somebody like taking down with like a buddy and like, I, you, whatever, not for me kind of thing. But as far as somebody like, this is an awful, awful movie. I, I couldn't see anybody saying that for it at all. No. Yeah. No, it's great. Maybe at these horror conventions, we'll start seeing some more cosplay of people dressing as Ed. So I, I, there's like four posters to this movie. There's one I really like. <laughs> it's kind of funny and stupid, but if you Google it, it's the one, it's Ed and then the, uh, 
the mummy guy in the insane asylum. They're like, it's like, it looks like a buddy movie. <laughs> and they're like standing back to back with with the scissors and it looks like uh oh there's a, there's a fucking elf movie that uh jake you mentioned we watched oh like, yeah uh norm the gnome norm the gnome, gnome yeah norm yeah a no a, 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 a who the huh a norm named gnome so a gnome named I, norm I, uh hold on i i have it there's is the poster oh, there yeah we go. it's like a white background ed and the mummy guy are like standing there so it looks like a 90s buddy movie like it's more like a sitcom where they just adopted a daughter and there's like they're telling her all the ways about yeah. growing up in these hard streets of san francisco in the 90s it's like you thought you went to a bad uh bris check out evil ed with these scissors so there it is uh, when i was looking at the picture of the the gal from evil ed uh, i realized it reminded me of uh fright night but like better yeah with a big toothy grin which not to say that fright night's bad but just like this is the next step up of craft in my opinion yeah so there, there's there's a lot to see and especially now i mean halloween's over but this is more of like a movie for like a film editor a filmmaker or someone who just likes the way movies are made like i think this is a movie for you or like even podcast editors editing with sound you know what i mean just hearing the same thing over and over and over and over again so you know, or you're staring at, you can see just a, from just a time signature, you can tell exactly that's when someone's saying, um, probably Jason saying, um, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> What'll be great is when we edit out the ums for this and it's just you say, it's Jason saying, and then laughing at your time. <laughs> That'd be an inside joke for, for everybody <laughs> in this one. I don't think we edit the ums, do we? Do we edit the ums? I do when I edit, but I haven't edited in a while, so I don't give a fuck what y'all do because if I don't have to edit anymore, it's fine. I, I realize how much I over edited looking back because like I hate a lot of podcasts where like for instance like when people will make a snorting sound or have a high sibilance I, I really can't handle it and so I would always take all those things dude I used to hack up some of Brian's words and I would find like a consonant syllable from an earlier word copy it and replace one where he had done one of the things where it's like um blah or blah um and I needed that consonant sound and nobody fucking knows nobody gave a shit because all it is if it's not distracting that it's bad it's just a conversation so when it goes well it's still just a conversation so i realize i wasted squandered hours of my life editing this <laughs> shit so i felt very much like ed but i and to doug's point i don't think it's just editors i think if you do any kind of mundane activity i think if you have kids and your kid says the same fucking thing 15 times there's those certain like droning elements of your life where you could like feel the hourglass and the granules just dropping as he's looking at the screen uh, that I think could articulate to basically anything. I think it makes it a little bit more universally appealing than some of the other horror comedies. Well, Jake, that's why you got to scare him. You got to show your kids the brave little toaster and say, you don't know what? If you're bad, we're going to go to the junkyard. Dude, my wife was like, oh, yeah, why don't we watch Brave Little Toaster? I was like, are you sure, buddy? It's good. I love that movie. I loved it as a kid. Well, I'm trying to con her into letting me show some other stuff. We, She was almost like down with monster squad earlier because we watched hocus pocus and i'm like i asked her, like really sierra is it that much more severe yeah it is but still it's <laughs> <laughs> well have them watch brave little toaster just say doug was the bad influence there's nothing like uh a... so did you have to explain to your kids what a virgin was oh yeah but that's the great gag with the uh, the second one where he says a virgin's just somebody who's never lit a candle exactly what the fuck i said in the first one it <laughs> fucking exactly the first thing i said you say well she's not olive oil so there you go huh so yeah um in terms of 
content you'd like us to do, please send us ideas as far as stuff at slasherspod at gmail.com, at Instagram, uh, at slasherspod, anywhere. I We love it. I love it delving into things that I either have you know, a vague familiarity with, a movie I haven't seen in a while. Uh, Evil Ed's a great example. You know, Intruder is a great example. Uh, there's so many movies that I think you can find and find accessibly. Uh, that's one of the things that's always been, if you've ever submitted a request or recommendation to us and we haven't done it, I'll tell you plainly, nine times out of 10, it's not that we don't like your idea. It's we want our audience to be able to find this stuff easily so they can follow along. And so stuff like Evil Ed, stuff like Intruder, American Gothic, those movies are so easily accessible. I think we've tried to do that all through October and we want to do it moving forward. And so there's that. Douglas, you have shit going on. Why don't you tell us about your shit that's going on? Uh, the shit eating or okay anyway but yeah so you can ch- guys can uh trash juice is done it played at the theater so jake and everyone from the slashers podcast jason aid mikey micah jesus everyone was a fucking thing but uh yeah so that's <laughs> that's gonna be coming out to blu-ray shortly i'm just working on that right now um we submitted it to tubi so you know we had to get the subtitles made and everything that's always fun and that's evil ed in real life sitting there going yep. oh my god like just sitting there like that. But uh, yeah, you can check us out on B-Movie TV. Um, Jake hosts Saturday Night Terrors with uh, Yahira sometimes. So it's flops in between. I'm on Fridays, uh, Friday Night Action at 8 p.m. And uh, yeah, so you can check out Trash Juice and like Father Like Daughter. Those will be playing occasionally on the channel. And for, for those who wanted to see Evil Ed, I strongly, re- it's on Tubi, but I strongly recommend the Blu-ray because you get a whole booklet, a bunch of cool features. And if you really like this movie, there's like a whole other cut to it. So Arrow put it out, right? Yeah, Arrow put it out. Check it out because it was like on sale for like 17 bucks at Barnes and Noble. I think it still is. And it's worth it to be in your collection because I think it's it's very inside baseball without being like, you know how people make fun of like Rick and Morty where it's like, oh, yeah, like the audience thinks they're so smart for getting the joke, but it's actually very much like a lowest common denominator. So it's like, yeah, everybody gets a fucking joke. I feel like this movie is like a good version of that where it's like everybody can get the joke, but it's not smarmy and self-absorbed where people are like, uh-huh. Yeah, right? and it's yeah. like some 400-pound guy with, you know, neck beard and, like, his hair and his greasy glasses saying, Hey, Rick, and I'm so good because Rick and Murdy makes me so smart. I'm smarter than half the population while he's slamming his Cheeto-stained fingers on the Reddit forums complaining about stuff. So I that, think it'd be 4chan, but yeah. I think 4chan, yeah. Still pretty 4chan. accurate. That's kind of what the Rick and Morty fan base turned into. N- no offense. Well, you know, you could tell the creators Rick and Morty I said that because that's how I feel. <laughs> Honestly, like I gave up on the show and like I've wanted to go back every so often, but it's kind of like like South Park. When I was in law school, I stopped watching TV. And then when I went to go back to it because it wasn't topical, I like the references were kind of lost and the fan base got kind of just shitty where I was like, I don't really care about this anymore. So uh, if you have any good, I guess, obtrusive or offensive comedy, send it our way. Maybe we can get back on a, a new bandwagon before it is annoying. Offensive, good, annoying, very bad. <laughs> Lower decks, lower decks. Oh, it's so fucking good! It is so good. Have you watched it? Yeah, is season three out? Is is it been confirmed? Yes. Is it out? Okay. So yes, right. yeah. Because I watched it is first season. So it's fucking really good. good. The yeah. incel is... fan base hasn't gotten to lower decks yet, have they? No. Well, that's the great thing about Star Trek is a lot of Star Trek fans will pick and choose the content that they like. 
and that's totally fine. Like for me, for instance, I, I have a, a big blind spot when it comes to Voyager. It's not that I disrespected Janeway. I think that uh, Kate Mulgrew is fucking fantastic. I think the cast is good. It was just at a period of my life where I was just picking and choosing my content a little differently. Um, so it, it, you find people who are just like, okay, this doesn't offend me. I just don't need it. And it is so great because I am a huge fan of Star Trek, the animated series. I think it's some of the my favorite media when i used to have a twitter before elon uh my uh twitter bio said that i was from beyond the farthest star which is the first episode of star trek animated series so lower decks takes place in the animated series universe which has like a different continuity slightly and so like there's some uh, you look in the background and you're like oh my fucking god that's my childhood and it, but it's not like trying to beat you over the head with it. Like, look how clever we are. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, uh. My favorite joke, and I think it was the first season or second season, when they had the statue of Cole Meany, supposed <laughs> to be the most important person of Starfleet. And I was so like, funny. yes, yes. Yes. And now that we've excluded Doug thoroughly, Doug, why don't you send us on home, bud? Okay. Well, I hope you guys all... Uh... Sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy Evil Ed when you watch it. If you haven't, if you listen, watch the movies after the podcast here. But anyway, this is Doug signing out. We want to say goodbye and good die.